Well, good morning. Great to see everybody here today. It is a pleasure to be back in this warm, dry circle when we could be almost any place else today. Uh, I also want to extend my own personal welcome to those of you that are connecting via live stream today and in our other venues this morning. It's an amazing thing that um, Christ Church is such a disparate family. We're reaching out to so many different parts of the world. Any given Sunday here, we actually have not only folks that are sitting in worship and joining with us, but people that are connected as far away as Albania. There are families that regularly worship with us here. Isn't that an amazing thing? And it's a reminder that, that, that our faith is um, a faith in, a, in both the world we see and the things that we can touch and the realities that are uh, beyond our particular vision at a given moment. And that is something to remember as uh, we talk about the topic uh, of this day. Uh, we have been in conversation just for one week now. We've got two weeks to go on the fascinating subject of angels, who they are, what they do, why we should even care about them at all. And uh, last week, Tracy suggested to us that a lot of our ideas about angels are formed by the influence of popular culture on us. All of the images and the storylines that get uh, played out through, through movies and art and other forms of pop culture. And I was just thinking how true that has been in my own experience. When I was a, a little boy, my, my mom read to me this book called The Littlest Angel. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's a beautifully illustrated book. And it's about this, uh, this little child who was apparently uh, di died and gone to a uh, kind of a fluffy cloud heaven where he needs to behave very well. He apparently wasn't so good at that on earth. He now needs to learn to behave extremely well. And as he starts to, 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 to learn to be even better than he, than he was, he's, he's given a, a halo, he, he eventually earns his, his wings, and, uh, and it's just sort of a touching story. And I, I took away from this as a little boy, this, these big, important ideas, you know, that, uh, that, that basically, that we all go to a, to a cloudy kind of heaven above, above the sky when we die, and we, we become angels, and, and if we behave really well up there in heaven, we'll get the good stuff. And I sort of absorb these big ideas. The only problem is that every single one of them is wrong. And, and I've been in recovery from those ideas, in a sense, <laughs> ever since then. Uh, which is why, as Tracy reminded us, it's just so critical that, that if we really want to understand what the whole topic of angels are all about, we, we need to go back to the book, the reliable source book on this subject. Uh, the Bible talks about angels a lot. I mean, they are not like a minor topic. They uh, are spoken of more than 300 times in the scriptures. They are, they're, they're recounted over a period of 3,000 years of, and more of, of, of human experience with encounters with these particular uh, beings. And if you look at the, at the stories that are told about angels in the Bible, there are at least sort of four really important primary foundational ideas that you get about them. And Tracy touched on them, and I just want to quickly summarize them once again. Uh, for those of us who may have missed out on that discussion last week. First of all, angels are created beings, as we are. In other words, they weren't always here. They're not like God in that sense. God brought them into existence uh, sometime before he made human 
beings, but they've not been around forever. They are every bit as dependent upon the grace of God for every moment of their continued existence as you and I are. Uh, they are constantly aware of their dependence upon the goodness of God. And they know things, and they can do things that you and I can't, and I'll touch on that in, in a minute, but, but they are also limited in their power and their wisdom, their knowledge base. Um, secondly, angels are spiritual beings. Um, they are a different order of being than you and I are. They are as different from us, in a sense, as we are from fish, uh, with whom we share some similarities, but a whole lot of significant differences. And while, while some of you are truly little angels in a metaphorical sense, you will never actually become an angel in the ontological sense of, of your real being or reality. Uh, you and I are material beings as opposed to spiritual beings. We're material beings to whom God has actually given enormous privileges. For example, the opportunity to create life. Angels don't have that capacity. Uh, they probably, if angels envy, they might even envy that capacity we have. We're material beings for whom Christ came and gave his life on the cross in love. Uh, angels can't say that about themselves, that they have been the subject of that kind of, of radical, sacrificial love. Uh, our eternal future lies in a redeemed material world. We're headed for a future in which we'll be part of a material world with all of its fragrance and its succulence perfectly restored. That's not the future destination for angels. They, they will not share in that wonderful corporeal uh, succulence and fragrance. Uh, but as spiritual beings, angels have got capacities that you and I don't have. They can move through time and space in a way that you and I ne never can. Um, they can appear in a whole variety of different kinds of forms, as we're going to talk about here today. They can transmute themselves out of the visual spectrum like this. And even though some of us want to run and hide sometimes, we don't have that kind of capacity that they do. Angels are also, as we heard last week, innumerable. In other words, they are not endangered species, even though you may not have uh, been aware of a personal physical encounter with an angel. They are all around. The Bible suggests that there are millions of them uh, active in motion, present uh, in this world at any given time. Who knows how many angels are actually here with us right now or around you wherever you may be right now. But they're around us for the final reason that we touched on last week. Angels are aware of and deeply concerned about human beings. Uh, they, they are profoundly interested in what happens to human beings. In fact, they're often descripted, des, des, depicted in the scriptures as watching people closely. They are often described as watchers. Uh, and you've got to get this picture in, in uh, City of Angels, uh, where you see all of these angels sort of watching human beings from the top of skyscrapers and, and, and the like. 
Uh, that's where Hollywood got this idea right. The prophet Daniel says, and I quote, I continued looking in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and there was a holy watcher coming down from heaven. Angels are curious about the fate of human beings. They know a lot about God's heart. They, in fact, they understand God's heart even better than we do. Uh, but there's a lot about what God is doing and what God will finally do that they don't fully understand themselves. And there's a lot about us that they probably don't fully understand. So they're watching with this intense curiosity at how God's redemptive plan is going to unfold in our lives. They're kind of like cosmic grandparents or, or, or heavenly aunts and uncles. Uh, just so excited about seeing what comes next. And I, I can't wait to show the prom pictures from last night to my angel friends. Uh, you know, they're just that interested in the details and the flow of human life. This is a, another important idea that the Bible gives us. Which brings us to our focus for today. Angels have a message for us. Angels have a crucial message for us. In fact, in fact, the, the Greek word uh, from which the, our word angel comes, the word angelos, literally means messenger. Messenger. Angels are messengers from heaven. They're, they're mediators, they're translators of that awesome dimension of life that we cannot currently see with our eyes, for which Jesus and others use the shorthand word heaven, which means simply, literally, invisible place. That's what the word heaven in the Bible means. And specifically, angels are sent to proclaim the good news of God's love for us and, and of his intention to redeem us, to fix what's broken, to restore, to reconcile, to renew, to resurrect. Angels are sent to proclaim the good news that there's a God who loves you desperately and has a redemptive plan that's in motion and he's inviting you into it. That's the overarching main message of angels. Okay, have you got me on that one? Now, the particular content of that message is, is actually multi-partite. There are layers to it or dimensions to it that the angels express to us in a variety of ways. And I just want to touch on a couple of them with you today so that you can recognize the voice or the touch of an angel upon you when it happens because you'll, it will be this one of these sub-messages that you're going to be encountering or taking into yourself in some uh, important way. One of the most consistent messages of angels is that God is holy. Uh, that God is worthy of our worship. That he is a reality that, that if we understood it would, would transform us and turn us in fresh directions. God is holy and worthy of worship. Take that idea in for for just a moment, because this is one of the most consistent things angels are trying to convey to us. Uh, many, many years ago, the prophet Isaiah, a uh, character in the Old Testament, had an encounter with angels that altered his life completely. Uh, and he tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, Isaiah catches a glimpse of the glory of God, and, and, and the very hem of 
the edge of his robe fills the largest, most impressive building that Isaiah had ever seen. Just the very corner of his garment fills this huge space. And above him, says, above uh, this robe, uh, Isaiah says, were seraphim, each with six wings. Now, seraphim are simply one of a variety of angelic beings. Seraphim and cherubim and uh, other kinds of bims, I guess. They're, they're, these are like the varieties of mammalian species. These are the angelic species, okay? And this is what he's given a vision of. And Isaiah says, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two, thank goodness they had a couple left over, they were flying. And and the image there here is that that these awesome angel warriors are covering themselves up, their face, their private parts, they're covering themselves up in humility before the holiness of this God, this great God. And they were calling to one another, says Isaiah, and this was their message, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's not just here in the temple. It's not just this tiny corner of creation you're seeing. Everywhere, God's glory is manifest. This is the message of the angels. And that very same message gets repeated a lot in the Bible. Maybe most famously in the book of Revelation at the end of the whole Bible story in Revelation chapter four and verse eight where the angels again are are just proclaiming the holy, holy, holiness and glory of God, the one who is worthy of all honor and power and worship. Uh, This is the consistent message uh, of angels. They're just trying to say to us, let me put it in human vernacular, they're just trying to say to us, please pay attention. Please get this. God is greater. He is grander. He is more pure. He's more powerful. He's more magnificent. He's more meriting of your complete devotion and attention in life than he's getting, than than you're seeing. You've shrunk him down into this little convenient package, these little coined phrases. You think of him as like the big man upstairs. No, he's holy. He's so great. Worship him. Turn your life over to him. Because if you don't get who God really is, the angels tell us, then you can't get how amazing is the fact that he loves you the way he does. We hear this message again in an encounter that gets described in in the passage I want to focus on with you today in in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses, you've heard of Moses? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Moses. Okay. So Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses is a shepherd at this point. He has fled from uh, Egypt where he had killed a guy. And he is hiding out in the wilderness. And he's gotten a job through his father-in-law tending sheep. And he's off on the mountainside with the sheep. And he's at Horeb, the mountain of God. There, and this is the key part, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, you probably missed that detail in the past. I did. True confession. I missed that. I've talked a lot about the burning bush. But... 
Who's appearing as a burning bush? An angel. An angel is present in the burning bush. Where's the robe? Where's the halo? Where, where are the wings? Nowhere. Because angels will not be typecast. They will not be pigeonholed. They, they may appear to, you, appear to you as a human being. They may show up as a ray of light. They may come as a gust of wind, a breath of new energy, a sudden surge of power, or something else. Angels can take lots of different forms, which is why we're told in the book of Hebrews that you should entertain strangers with great hospitality because by so doing, some have actually entertained angels unawares. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. So I will go over and see this strange sight. And there's a lesson here. When you encounter something or someone unexpected, when things are just a little bit off, a little bit bizarre, and you wonder, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. It could be a message. It could be a messenger. God has sent to you. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now who's speaking to Moses? God. Wait a second. It was an angel. An angel or God? Which is it? Both. Both. When an angel speaks to you, it's God speaking to you. It, 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 it's better than a press secretary speaking to you. There, it's, it's a no-spin zone when he speaks to you. It's, it's, it's himself coming to you without filter. And, and, and so we take seriously the messages of angels because it's not their opinion. It's not their guesswork. It's God who's trying to speak to us, and Moses gets this, so he understands this and says, here I am. Speak to me, Lord. I want everything you have for me in this strange encounter. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face like the angels were doing. He hides his face because he was afraid. He was too awestruck. He was too reverent. He was too humbled to look at God. Angels are frequently trying to help us understand that God is holy. Why? Why are they trying to do that? Because if we do not get who God really is, then we can't get how amazing is the fact that he loves us the way he does and has done for us what he has done and is willing to keep coming to us the way he does even this day. And this sets the context for the second part of the message that angels frequently bring us. 
the almighty, all-hallowed God has compassion for people. He's got compassion for people. Now, this is something that you could not say of a lot of gods, at least as the ancient pagan world thought about it. Um, gods were precocious, selfish beings who used human beings as tools for their pleasure. They were pawns and the great chessboard that they used to play out their rivalries with each other. But this is not the God that meets us in the Bible. This God has great compassion. Uh, his steadfast love endures forever, the prophets say. And listen how this idea gets conveyed. Through the angel, God says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you understand that God feels that way about you? Do you get that reality? Have you allowed it into yourself? That's what the angels want to know because there are times when we, we're going through life and we just feel all alone. We feel like nobody really sees the suffering, the pain, the, the, the drivenness, the whatever it may be of our lives. We just feel like God has forgotten us and is not maybe even there at all. But here's the message of the angels. God sees you. He knows you. He, he understands the details of your life. He hears your cries because of whatever's enslaving you or driving you. You've, we've all got our slave drivers in, in, in a sense, don't we? And God is concerned about this. This was not what he made us for. He didn't want us to be in this kind of condition. And so he has this plan to redeem us, to, to give us future and a hope that's different from where we are now and to lead us to a place of even greater flourishing. And I'm no angel, as most of you know, but on behalf of the ones who are, here's, here's the message. He sees you, knows you, cares for you, has compassion for you, and is moving towards you to redeem you. That's the second key part of this message. As you think about that, I want to encourage you to consider another key part of what angels are always trying to tell human beings. Just as God loves you and me and wants the best for us, so God feels about others. Okay? from other countries and other religions and other political parties and, and other points of view. It, it's not all about you. His compassion is not all about just you and me. It never has been. He's always been Lord of the whole earth. And in fact, one of the kindest things that God can do for us, one, one of his best strategies for helping you and me flourish more is to involve us in helping others. And listen to what God says here through the angel to Moses. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, 
out of Egypt. In other words, a frequent part of the message of angels is God has a job for you. God wants you to be part of his redemptive plan. He, he, he's involving you in the family business. He, he wants you to, to be involved with this, even though the, the work is going to be hard sometimes. Think how often we hear that from angelic messengers. Just in the New Testament, for example. Uh, Mary, I know you've had a tough surprise. <laughs> I know that as awkward and difficult as these circumstances are in your life, I just want you to hang in there because this is part of my plan. This is part of God's plan to bring about a redemption for humanity. This is part of the job he's given you in that plan. Or Joseph, I know it looks really bad. I know this is incredibly humiliating. I know you've drawn your, all your own conclusions about this, but I'm telling you, I've got a job for you. You take care of this beautiful woman and you nurture this child and you raise this boy up to learn how to work with wood. You'll be amazed what he does with wood. And there's a role for you to play, Joe, in my redemptive plan. Tracy Smith had had just graduated from Harvard and uh, she wanted to go on with her life, but there was a more pressing need. Her mom was very sick. Her mom had been diagnosed with stage four cancer and Tracy came home. She came home to take care of her mother. And as the weeks wore on and her mother got worse and worse, the doctors pumped up the meds as they do. And then this thing happened and Tracy describes it in her own words. One night, she says, my mother began talking to someone in a low voice. And though I knew the medications caused this, it always startled me as if she could somehow see through this world into the next, to the places where angels sit and walk and gesture unseen amongst us. And very calmly, as if she were speaking to somebody seated beside her on the bed, mom said, yes, I know she will. I know she will, if that's what she wants to do. And my eyes, says Tracy, filled up with tears because I could feel instinctively she was talking about me. Who is there with you, Mom? I asked. And usually she would then laugh and just say something like, oh, it, it, this medicine has me confused. But this time she said very clearly and now very much awake, there are two angels sitting here with me, Tracy. And one of them just told me, you're going to become a great writer. It was a bold forecast. God has a job for you, the angels were saying. A part in his redemptive plan to bring wisdom, truth, beauty, hope into some part of the creation. And as wild as this idea was, 
Tracy took that message seriously. She's now the director of creative writing at Princeton University. In 2012, she was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. What if God has some additional role for you to play in his unfolding redemptive plan? What if it's something you'd not ever thought seriously about before? What if it actually is something you've been feeling a tickling about for a long time, but just never dared to really allow to the surface of your life? What if that's true? What if God has been preparing you as he had prepared Tracy, as he was preparing Moses through the course of his life with every experience that they have had? Ask God to send you a messenger. Pray to God, Lord, send me a messenger to help make my call even clearer. When the angel's call came to Moses, he was scared of it. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God answered through the angel in that burning bush again, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In other words, the angel and God are saying, you do not need to be afraid, Moses. I already see the path ahead. I already have more than enough grace for you for the whole journey that you're going to be going on in years to come. And sometime from now, you're going to be right back here on this very same spot. You'll be setting up an altar to me. You'll be worshiping and praising me for all of the ways that I provided for you along the way as you answered my call. And that happened just as the angel said. We spend a lot of our lives, you and me, anxious. We spend a great deal of our lives, more than we like to talk about in, in polite company, scared actually, driven by fears of various kinds. Who am I to take on this particular challenge? I just don't think I have the stuff. Who am I to lead that change? Who am I to initiate that crucial conversation that needs to be initiated in my family or my workplace? Who am, who am I to start that ministry or mission? Who am I to run for office or to go back to school or to step into that gap or to give that gift? Who am I to walk courageously through the valley of the shadow of death? Who am I to do these things? And if you're asking that question right now, or someone uh, questions something like that, then listen for the voice of the angelos, the messengers. It's the most frequent set of words we hear from their lips in all the Bible. They say, fear not. Fear not, for God is with you to protect you and provide for you. Scott McKnight writes, the essential redemptive promise from the time of Abraham to the day that God establishes the new heavens and the new earth, the essential promise is that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We believe that, of course, but sometimes we just want to experience it more tangibly, don't we? More personally. 
And this, this is known by God. And so sometimes he sends us a mysterious messenger. He sends us some stranger who steps in and says something at just the right moment. He sends us a sudden sense of summoning or the sound of a flapping wing or a crackling fire and we turn aside and we pay attention to it. And it fills us with fresh courage and vision for the journey. This is what angels are for. Angels are sent to proclaim the good news of God's love and of his intention to redeem, to renew, to restore, to resurrect, to repair, to reconcile all things. They tell us that this God is so holy, so worthy of our worship and devotion, that as awesome as he truly is, God has got compassion on you and on others, and he has a job for you and me to do in his redemptive work, and he is always with us. So we do not ever need to be afraid. Please pray with me. And now, Lord God, may the testimony of your word find its way deep into our hearts as we receive the glory and goodness of your, this, your message. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.